Life's too short for crap marketing. The Got Marketing Podcast is for marketers, business owners, and entrepreneurs who want marketing that's fun, accessible, and meaningful. Join me, Mia Feilman, for inspired chats with my favorite marketing insiders about marketing that works, campaigns that inspire, and the fads, fakery, and false profits to avoid. Welcome, friend. Today, we're talking about ethical, inclusive, and purpose-driven messaging. I do have a strong opinion about financial services and the messaging that we see within that industry. From a marketing perspective, we're also seeing a lot of those messages that are highly transactional, like what we can give and take and not so much the connection and relationship that fosters the loyalty. That was Oyelola Oyetanji, a purpose-driven copywriter. She joins me on the show today. Welcome to Got Marketing, Oyelola. Hello, Mia. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here today. And a little birdie told me that this is your first foray into podcasting. So I wanted to say a huge thank you for entrusting me as your first podcast guesting experience. I couldn't think of anyone better. I'm excited. Oh, she's not paid to say that. (laughs) So you work with purpose-led businesses and also financial services in your copywriting business. And traditionally, These two businesses have sat on opposite ends of the spectrum, like quite the dichotomy. I'd love to hear your story of what led you here and why this combination. Yes, they are quite different. I have a background in financial services. So I studied a Bachelor of Commerce and Master of International Business and Law and then found myself in professional services consulting. So I was consulting to super funds and banks and insurers and I was immersed in that world. And I found that when I was working with these different businesses that the way the audience engaged was highly correlated to their achievement of business objectives. And when their message didn't quite hit home with their clients or their customers or their investors, it had a ripple effect through the rest of their business. But I couldn't do anything at the time except for offer advice in relation to strategy or their business model. I I couldn't actually write content for them. But when I did quit that job and a few months later, my ex-boss asked me if I could write a tender proposal for his new company, a fintech company, I said yes. And it was a great success. The proposal helped them land a couple of their largest clients. And it gave me the confidence to believe that I could actually do this for a living. And so that's when I launched my freelance copywriting business, Phrase with Purpose. And so I started off working with financial services businesses because that was what I knew. And then eventually I attracted some smaller businesses and businesses with a greater purpose beyond sales. And I found that working with them, I enjoyed it. I was in my element. And so that was when I started exploring the niche of purpose-driven businesses. And like you said, yes, they're on different ends of the spectrum. But I have seen some financial services businesses start to become more purpose-driven in nature. And I would say that I'm here for it. And I want to be part of helping them have that shift in the industry and helping them craft messages that help rebuild trust with customers in their community. Oh, I do love a good story to start a podcast chat on. So that's a very heartening story about you giving it a go and it all working out and then it sets you on this amazing path to creating a business that really aligns with your values. The cynic in me will say 
that I feel like a lot of the financial services businesses are being pushed not so much from their own values, but from pester power from customers to say, no, we there is a like all-time low trust in financial services industries. And so that like it's it's actually the customer that is demanding that they be more purpose-driven. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree with that. Customers want to buy from brands with aligned values. And so it makes sense that that shift is happening. And there's just so many other options now. Before there wasn't, it was like, well, I have to bank with Commonwealth Bank because it's that or ANZ and the NAB and there is worse as each other. And I'm trying to find the lesser of four evils as opposed to now mm-hmm. that we have incredible brands like Verve Super and Stella Insurance, like completely shaking up the industry, saying you can have your cake and you can eat it too. You can have great superannuation with all the benefits, but we can also invest in renewables Mm -hmm. and in ethical non-mining investments. Like we can have it all. Yeah, I agree. I think it's so great that we have those options now. So I'd love to hear from you as a copywriter when it comes to marketing messaging, what is the state of play? Like, where are we now? What are you seeing? What's your read of the the situation? I think speaking from a financial services perspective, a lot of marketing messages are quite the same. Like, it's hard to differentiate between the different brands within the industry. And part of the reason is because they're so restricted by regulations and to craft a a message that is unique, that doesn't defy compliance rules is hard, but it's not impossible. And like you said, there are brands that are popping up in that industry that do have an ethical message that is different from what we've been hearing in the past and a message that goes beyond just making sales or just the money and the buying and the selling. And one brand that I really like is Perla. And they've got a different message and it's a bit of a shameless plug because they're one of my clients, but I truly do believe in them and I support their message and they're known for boring investing over the long term. So they're not about the hype. They're not about get rich quick schemes that you see with a lot of investing platforms these days. And I was lucky enough to join them early on their journey and see the impact that this core message had. And over time, over the last couple of years, They've built a solid community of investors with shared values and the desire to build wealth over the long term. And they have a big sustainable push in their messaging as well and the ability for investors to go down that road. And it's a message that has built connection more than anything else. Oh, I love that. And I really love that they've invested in the long term. As marketers, we sort of have two we're pulled in two directions, which is that we need to make the short-term sales to hit the budgets, to hit the targets in order to, you know, continue keeping our jobs really. But then we also need to think about long-term brand value and like planting those really good seeds that is going to pay dividends in the long-term. And so I really love that Perla have foregone a little bit of those short-term quick wins in order to focus on that long-term brand connection and brand value. Yeah, I think it's so important. I screenshotted some copy that came up on my Instagram feed just for this conversation. I wanted to share it with you because if I see one of more of these, I'm going to rail against someone. Okay. So it came up as a sponsored ad on Instagram. How to write a high converting sales page that makes you dollars in your sleep. One more person 
telling me that they're going to make money in my sleep. First of all, it's not true that the jig is up on that kind of tactic, but also it's such a snooze fest at this point. I have seen that messaging, make dollars in your sleep, wildly successful launches, like live the business of your dreams. Like at this point, it is boring. Do you agree? I highly agree. I've had to mute a lot of ads and uh, remove them from my feeds and unfollow people because I've been seeing a lot of this messaging and it just, it, it riles me up. Because for me, I haven't been in copywriting for that long, only a few years, but when I was exploring the world of copywriting, which to be honest, I didn't know what it meant a few years ago. I was thinking copywriting from the loyal but legal perspective. But when I was researching and doing courses, I saw a lot of like high converting. It was just pushing the conversion, pushing the sales more than anything else. And that didn't quite sit right with me. And that's why I'm more about the connection than anything else and building that relationship with customers so that you have that brand loyalty and that's what helps you build a long-term sustainable business. I could not agree more. Do you have any controversial or highly opinionated views about the copywriting or the financial services industry that you care to share? Because we love strong opinions around here. Yeah. I don't know if it's highly controversial, but I do have a strong opinion about financial services and the messaging that we see within that industry. You know, and as we know, it's highly transactional, which makes sense because financial services is about money and buying and selling. But from a marketing perspective, we're also seeing a lot of those messages that are highly transactional. And it's about like what we can give and take and not so much the connection and relationship that fosters the loyalty. And a lot of the messages are like, here we are, we're so great. These are all the awards we've won. It's all about we. And they just tell us what we think we want to hear rather than actually communicating messaging that generally concerns us as customers when it comes to finances. And I believe there are so many emotions that are tied to finances like frustration and stress and overwhelm, confusion. And generally, the messaging across this industry lacks in appealing to that humanity in us all. But I do, I did notice a bank recently that has messaging that resonated with me, and that's Bank Australia. And they engage in more values-led marketing um, that attracts customers with shared values that want to create a world where the planet and people thrive. And so I think that's great that they give their customers a voice in their marketing and that helps to build that emotional connection that you don't see with many financial services businesses. Great, great, great example. I tend to throw a lot of shade around here, so I'm going to share a not-so-great example. Oh, yeah. Just to sort of, you know. <laughs> Let's do it. I feel that a lot of financial services campaign messaging and advertising has become very fluffy mm-hmm. and it's like, what does that even mean? Like, what, what is that? And the example that comes to mind is NAB and their more campaign. More what? More than money. Make ideas more. More. More what? Like, <laughs> That's so true. I agree. Because then it leaves you confused more than anything else. Messaging is supposed to give you clarity. It's supposed to draw in the right people. But if people don't know what you mean, then where does that leave them? Exactly. It just alienates your audience instead. Yeah. It's like, I need the proof point. More how. Like we 
We do more than money because mm-hmm. we do this. We make ideas more for our small business customers by doing this. Show me the proof yeah. that you do more as opposed to just these glib platitudes of just, yeah. Yeah. Tell us what, tell us how. Exactly. Yeah. So how do you approach coming up with messaging for your clients? Like what are some strategies or approaches that people can use to start to create more ethical, inclusive and purpose-driven messaging? I think for me, I have a strong emphasis on empathy-powered copy and content. And it's more about understanding your audience first and seeking to to understand how they think, how they feel, how they behave before you write a single word. I think a lot of my clients are so quick to just wanting to write the copy and getting it done sooner rather than later and don't understand that there's a process that you need to go through to actually understand who it is you're speaking to and what it is they need from you rather than saying, look, this is what we want. We just want to push it on our audience. And I think A few things that I like to do is to get down to understanding the ideal customer, the customer that they work with, and considering more than just the the high-level demographics of the age and gender and socioeconomic status and going deeper into things like their desires and their dreams and their fears and their personalities. And one way I know a lot of marketers use it is the 12-brand archetype. So I know it's used traditionally for brands, but to flip that on the other side and use it for a customer. And so, for example, if you your ideal customer is the, the hero archetype and their core value is mastery and they're seeking to leave a mark in the world, then in your messaging, you would use language that encourages boldness and, and courageousness and inspires them to achieve their goals and their desires. And I also like to do research and understanding the customer a bit more, going on social media platforms, forums like Reddit to hear what their people share about their problems and their experiences, feelings. And I also say, listen, like listen to your existing customers. What are they saying? Ask them questions about their journey with you. How were they feeling before they found your business and your solution? What led them to you and how are they feeling after they used your solution? and incorporating storytelling through that. So I like to go through that journey before I actually write uh, a copy or messaging for a client. I've never heard of flipping Carl Jung's archetypes as audience personas. What a clever strategy. I mean, why not? That's great, yeah. Yeah, that's a perler. Also, how good is Reddit? Yeah. I mean, it's a cesspit. I love it. You can get lost in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a rabbit hole and a cesspit, yeah. but it's also fascinating, fascinating. Yeah, it is. And you made such a good point about how demographics alone are no longer a reliable way to do target audience segmentation mm-hmm. and that we absolutely need to look at psychographics and behavioural characteristics to really understand our customers. I mean, yeah. if you think about demographics alone, you are assuming that every 30-year-old woman in Australia is making similar purchase decisions and we know that that's just simply not the case, right? No, no, it's not. Yeah. 
Gut Marketing is brought to you by Campaign Del Mar, a marketing education platform for marketers and entrepreneurs. Learn practical, repeatable, and actionable steps to market with confidence. Nail your email marketing strategy or join Campaign Classroom and learn to create memorable and effective marketing campaigns. These are not the kind of online programs where you are left floundering, unsure how to put theory into practice, nor will these programs sit unfinished for months. You can expect hands-on, tailored advice, accountability, and a supportive community, and you will walk away with lifelong marketing skills. Learn more at campaigndelmar.com. I want to talk about something with you that I've been so like looking forward to talking about on this podcast, but it has never really been at the right time. And that is virtue signaling. And I feel like you're the absolute perfect person to have this juicy conversation out with. What is it? What are examples of it? And does it work? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, from my perspective, I believe that virtual signaling is when a person or a company publicly expresses their thoughts or beliefs about a social or political issue in a way that tries to make them appear more good or morally correct. And I think that is becoming more common with the rise of social media. I think that social media has put pressure on a lot of people to speak up on certain issues. And if you don't comment on something, then something's wrong. So if you don't comment on the Black Lives Matter movement, then you're a racist or you don't care enough. And I'm not surprised that this leads to virtual signaling. And I've seen this from time to time with some of my financial services clients, especially when they're writing a pitch deck or a proposal for a potential client who is in that purpose-driven space and they're doing good and they want to appear like they've got values that are quite aligned to them. But when a message is not aligned with the actions, I believe that there's a problem there. And it's a misrepresentation of who you are and what you stand for. And another example that I've seen was in the height of the Black Lives Matter movement. So Adidas actually put out a statement that they fully supported the movement and they were called out by one of their employees for the lack of diversity within their organization. And so they had to backtrack on their statement and commit to increasing their percentage of Black employees and investing in Black communities. And so it shows us that virtual signaling doesn't actually work. Customers are becoming increasingly savvy. They're doing their research on companies and they're digging deep to find out what the company actually stands for and what their values are. Oh, such a good example. And then did you hear that Adidas sued the Black Lives Matter organization over copyright or trademarking of the logo? So Black Lives Matter Mm -hmm. has as a three-line striped yellow logo. And Adidas had came out and said, oh, that's too close to our Adidas stripes and tried to block Black Lives Matter from trademarking the Black Lives Matter logo. And then people were like, this is not a good look. (laughs) First of all, they're different. Um, The Adidas logo is not... Yeah, it's on an angle. It's on an angle, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Doing these ones. (laughs) (laughs) it's also never yellow Mm -hmm. the only time that there are really three stripes is on apparel yeah it's it's so different it's completely different movement industry the things they stand for and now that's an example of the messaging not aligning with the actions 
why would you put out a statement saying you support Black Lives Matter movement and then go and sue them later? Exactly. To this, I will say that I think it's important that brands do share their their stance on issues. I think that it's important that they do share what they're doing to move us closer to better outcomes for the world, whether it's environmental, whether it's social, whether it's political, whatever it is. But exactly as you said, it's really important that that doesn't contradict what you are doing internally. And so that it's seen as very disingenuous where you get your marketing team Mm. to come up with this messaging and you get your comms team to come up with this messaging, but the C-suite is operating on a very different modus operandi. Like they are just, as you said, customers today come with immaculately tuned bullshit detectors and we'll see through that. Yeah. And then they will take to social media and they will parody that. Mercedes-Benz recently ran a greenwashing campaign, which was absolutely annihilated in the media because nothing about Mercedes-Benz is green. Mm-hmm. And this campaign was an unmitigated disaster for them. So it's really important that what you say, you back up 100% by what you do. Yes, I agree. Yeah. The thing with virtue signaling also is that it draws attention to you and away from the organizations that should be leading the conversation. And this is about the loudest voice in the room. So if we all come out on Australia Day and talk about that the date needs to change, then we are flooding social media with each person saying, yeah, I support date change, I support date change, but we're not creating space for Indigenous First Nations organisations to lead that conversation. Mm. What would be better for us is to shut up for that day and give money to these Indigenous organisations and even give over our platforms to them and repost, retweet their content and let their voice carry this conversation. I agree. It's about knowing our role, knowing our place and In some instances, it's actions that matter more than words and the message that you put out. So true. Okay, what is empathy-empowered content? This is something that I have seen you talk about and I would love for you to unpack that for us. Yeah, empathy-empowered content is, like I said, putting your audience first. It's the kind of content that communicates to your audience, I see you, I hear you, and I want to understand you and looking to see things from their perspective because you want your customers to know that you understand their problems, their experiences, their goals, and to consider your solution as the answer. And I believe that empathy is so important for messaging because it's the thing that builds the connection and the connection that leads to long-term loyalty rather than just hit it and quit it, one-time-only sales. And like I said before, it's the long-term loyalty that you want to build that sustainable business over time. Oh, that was fabulous. Love that. Okay, how do we do that? Um, You've mentioned a few strategies, you know, talking to customers, getting under their skin, anything else that can help us unlock some of that? I think also language is an important part of empathy-powered content. Um, When you listen to your customers, your audience, it's not just about, oh, what are their problems and what are their fears, et cetera, but actually listening to their words, listening to what's in between the things that they say. Sometimes it's the unseen and the unspoken things. 
that truly help your audience feel like you understand them. And I think that it's an art form and it takes time. The more you do it, the better you become at it. But I think that there's a place for that in copywriting that I really want to see us move towards. Oh, so good. I recently had an event with Patricia Kaziro, who runs the Impact Business School. And um, she actually started her career on the ground level as a social worker. And I think that that is also something that has definitely, as we've moved more online, has definitely fallen through the cracks, which is actually getting together with your customers in person in their natural environment where they feel comfortable and observing them. Like, because what we say can often be quite different to how we act. Mm. And what we say in a survey or even what we say on the phone can be quite different to what we will say in person. So actually, like, now that the world has reopened, going back to in-person connections and no event is too small, like, get together with five customers and just have like a nice relaxed chat with them. You're going to get so many more insights and nuggets from them from doing that than 20 surveys, right? I agree. Getting face-to-face with them and even there's a difference between hearing someone's story through the written word versus when you're actually having that conversation with them and there's something that you can see in their eye that that helps you gain a deeper understanding of their experience and their perspective that you wouldn't get in any other way. Yeah, absolutely. All right, to wrap up this chat, which has been fantastic, I'd love to hear from you as a female entrepreneur, what is in your marketing mix? How do you go about marketing your business? Because, you know, the show is called Got Marketing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I will be honest, I have spent a lot more time focusing on messaging and content for my clients than I have for my own business. And I neglected it for a long time. And I only recently went back to getting very clear on my vision and my mission, my brand voice and my messaging that I put out there. So I would say that my broader marketing strategy needs work. (laughs) In the past, I've relied more on word of mouth than anything else. And I would say that from the perspective of converting leads to sales, it's a lot easier, but it's not enough. My next lot of leads comes from social media and and that's worked a bit over time as I've gotten in the rhythm of it over the last year or so. But I would really like to focus more on email marketing because I know that that is where the gold lies. I know that that is where the long-term results come from. And so that's where I'm looking to focus on going forward. Oh, music to my ears. Again, she was not paid to say that. (laughs) So what I heard there was that you went back to your strategy. So gold star and really focused on your brand strategy before you dived into content creation and implementation. But that now understanding how much work social media is, that email marketing is where you're, you know, going to invest your finite resources for marketing your business. And so I'm here for it. Yeah. Oh, and you're also doing podcasts now. Now you're, now you're. That's it. That's right. (laughs) So how do you work with clients? What kind of clients are you looking for in case someone listening today is inspired by what you offer and would love to work with you today? Yeah. Well, I say that I like to work with purpose-driven businesses. And so my definition of a purpose-driven business is a business that is motivated more by purpose than profits, promotion, or praise. 
And so I know there are a lot of businesses out there that wouldn't necessarily give themselves that label of a purpose-driven business, but they are in and of themselves simply by the mission and the vision that they carry. And so I'm looking to work with more small businesses that have that greater purpose and vision. And yeah, I do a lot of website copy mainly and brand voice guys and helping you find your brand voice because I think that builds the foundation that you need to to communicate who you are and set yourself apart from other brands in your industry. And it allows you to have consistent messaging. And I think that it's that consistent messaging that allows you to build trust with your your audience, with your customers. So good. I'm going to include all your links in the show notes so that people can reach out to you. But it has been an absolute pleasure. Oh, Yalola, I really, really loved our chat. And I know that it's going to be super valuable for our listeners. Thank you so much for giving up your time and chatting with me today. It's been great. Thank you so much, Mia. Thank you. You listened right up until the end. So why not hit that subscribe button and keep the good marketing rolling? Podcast reviews are like warm hugs. And they're also the best way to support a small business. You can connect with me, Mia Feilman, on Instagram or LinkedIn. And feel free to send me a message. I'm super friendly.